Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five from Tampa Bay on Saturday, February 6th. This is show number 106, February 5th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how are you doing this February? I'm doing pretty good. And we're covering races from Tampa Bay on Saturday, which is just happens to be the site of the Super Bowl on Sunday. So a little bit of karma there. We've got Super Saturday at the races at Tampa. A nice pick five we'll cover. And then the next day we have the Super Bowl from the same location. So let's see how that goes. See if we have Super any Super Sunday. Yeah, a little hunch. Maybe there'll be a few hunch plays buried in this late pick five. It's a little bit of a Super Bowl theme. I mean, if people are willing to bet millions of dollars on the coin flip, they ought to be able to plunk down a few bucks on a few horse races here in the pick five. Wait, I can vote on the coin flip? I mean, I can bet on it? Yeah, uh, it's a losing bet, but yeah, you can bet heads or tails. You have a 50-50 chance to less than double your money, but sure, you can do that. Many people are taking advantage of that great opportunity right now. In fact, Ever- I read somewhere some guy made some big bet on heads or something, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Ever the contrarian, I'm going to take tails. Oh, there you go. Yeah, You better get that bet down. You've got a few more days to get it in. And then you could also bet on the length of the national anthem, the singing of the national anthem. You know, I usually go for the over on that one. Uh, be, <laughs> you know, they want to keep that, you know, few minutes of glory as long as possible. So they stretch out that song. So, yeah, there's a lot of really, really interesting bets you can make on the Super Bowl. Well, who are you going to bet to win? I'm going to have to take the Kansas City Chiefs because that's where I was born. Really? I didn't re- know that you were born in Kansas City. That's interesting. I was born in Kansas City. That's yeah, where I, I came from. I don't know. I think it'll be a pretty good game. I think Kansas City is probably the better team, and they probably have the better quarterback at this stage in their career. But it'll be an interesting matchup. You've got uh, the quarterback that's won a lot of Super Bowls, and that, that has to be taken into account. But you got sort of the young guy who has the talent, and seems to be the next Tom Brady. So it could be the changing of the guard this year, or maybe it's the last hurrah for Tom Brady. It should be fun. Hopefully it'll be an exciting game. I I can't usually watch the entire thing. It takes too long. Um, (laughs) But I'll definitely be watching the second half. Play in the Sport of Kings NHC qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC Tour members advance to Round 2, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. 
Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get tour points. Join the NHC tour before any monthly round one begins. If you join the tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code SPORTOFKINGS so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contest with free DRFPPs, go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. Well, our guest this week will probably be rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he lives in Florida. He's qualified for the NHC an incredible 17 times. He's finished eighth in that contest twice. He's Rich Nilsson. Rich, welcome back to the pod. Great to be here. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Rich, uh, we had you on, I think it was August of 2019, so it's been a long time between drinks here. And my only question for you, in fact, the, the in the contest that I qualified in the NHC, I think you finished second, and that was a live bankroll tournament at Kentucky Downs. And I just thought I'd ask you, have you done anything different with your handicapping in the past year? Um, not really. I mean, you know, of course we're always trying to improve our handicapping. Um, I'm trying to get better at the, at the real money tournaments, which is, which is tough. Uh, I did well in that one, uh, which was, which was, um, you know, that felt good. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been very hard to compete at the, at the high level in the, the BCBC type tournaments, um, unless you have a certain type of mindset, um, about just, you know, going all in. And, um, so I've tried to improve on, on the real money tournaments and I've tried to just be more efficient in my handicapping in the sense of being able to handicap more tracks. Um, because when you get to the NHC, you know, it can be pretty, pretty overwhelming, even for, (laughs) someone like me and you guys too, I'm sure where even though you've been there, you know, no telling how many times, um, you still got, you know, so many tracks and so many races to look at and, um, you gotta be able to, to figure out how to narrow it down and pinpoint the right spots. So it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing challenge. All right. Chris, did you have any questions for Rich before we get started? Well, you're a Tampa person so i guess you would consider tampa bay downs your home track is there anything unique about the course or the track or any special angles that the listeners who may not be as familiar with the track um could profit from or at least uh, could help them in their handicapping well i think the number one thing and it's something i think anyone who's paid any attention to tampa bay uh, at all in the past is that it's a speed favoring track in general. Um, like there's a horse that I, you know, I thought was very interesting in the last race today, which we'll, you know, get to later. Um, but he has no speed whatsoever. And, you know, those types of horses, um, just typically never get up at Tampa Bay. I mean, you have to have some type of tactical speed, um, on, and I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about the dirt course, of course. Um, so, you know, early speed and tactical speed is very important, um, especially in any of the sprint races. And um, even though speed can win on the turf, it's kind of the opposite on the turf course where you're looking for, 
you know, a strong closer, a horse that can make a strong middle move and, and finish well. Great. We'll have to keep that in mind as we go forward and covering these races. Okay. Well, we are doing the late pick five from Tampa Bay, starting with the eighth race. And that race is the Tampa Bay Stakes, a grade three mile and a 16th on turf, famous for launching well over 100 players into capper country last year at the NHC with Admiralty Pier. This is a mile and a 16th on the turf, purse of 175000 for four-year-olds and up. Rich, did you have Admiralty Pier last year? Um, not only did I not have him, Scott, I had moved into 11th place in the NHC, and I was tasting the final table, even though it was still, I think, day two. Um, and I did not have that horse. I, I had... Uh, one of the logical horses. I didn't. I didn't like any of the long shots in that race, and that horse obviously was a big long shot. And and uh, I think I finished third. And I was involved in the the inquiry, and it of course went against me. And I uh, a bunch of people, of course, had it in the room, and and I plummeted to like forty eighth. And so that was that was the uh, the one big memory from last year's NHC that was. Uh, uh, not a good memory um, because it really knocked me from being in major contention to now I was going <laughs> to be fighting uh, to get into the top 50 um, or, you know, whatever the top cutoff line was last year um, and move on to the uh, uh, on to day three, which unfortunately I failed to do. So um, so so that that brings up a very bad memory. Alas. Well, let's let's see what we can do <laughs> with the field this year. Uh, who do you got? Well, this year I do have a couple long shots. Um, I the the two that uh, jumped off the page to me that I thought had an excellent chance in this race was uh, the number four horse, Talk or Listen, for Arnold Delacour. Um, the horse overcame a uh, troubled trip last time uh, with Centeno aboard, who's back aboard today, um, and just really ran a nice race and. Um, this horse, you know, overcame that trouble, got up for the win. He's stepping up in class today, but this horse has a lot of back class from Europe. The horse was was a good third in a uh, uh, a great a group three in France, and um, had a, another nice stakes win in France the year before. So, I really think Talker Listen is is a sharp horse, and you know he's a juicy fifteen to one on the on the morning line. So, um, I'm definitely using Talker Listen. And my other long shot in the race is number seven by your side for Mike Maker. It's first time Mike Maker on the turf, which is his specialty. Um, the horse has been uh, been working well for the new barn. Um, horse also had a trouble trip last time and and ran a uh, a good fourth to to Colonel Liam, who came back and won um, the Pegasus uh, Turf Cup. So. And that horse is also uh, a nice price of 12 to one. And even though he hasn't won on the turf, the horse has run, you know, some solid races on the turf and, and should move up uh, in maker's care. So there are a couple of Chad Brown horses in this race that I think you obviously have to use. Um, but those are my two long shots to start off uh, the pick five. All right. Value galore in this Tampa Bay eighth. Chris, where did you land? What value did you find? 
Well, I agree with Rich on four talker. Listen, that's a horse, the kind of horse I always like to play. The, I mean, the and the European form was really good as a three-year-old. It came to the U.S. and had a couple races. The four-year-old really didn't do much. I'm not sure what was the problem, but they did gild the horse. They gave it time off, and it did come back. And its most recent race, as Rich said, was was much improved proved over those other races as a four-year-old did have some trouble and you know the good races it ran were way back on you know a year and a half ago as a three-year-old so it could really move forward at second off a layoff in here um so I, I agree with that horse and um but i think in this race my so i absolutely would use that one but my two strongest opinions in this race are one that you know, Gray's Creek will get way over bet. Um, I don't think that four to one morning line is right. I think that horse will be like two to one or odds on in here. It's been visually impressive, but it's really not run any real fast race. It's stuck on the outside with Johnny Velasquez, which almost guarantees it'll be three or four wide on both turns. So I think that horse is an underlay. And I think admission office kind of lays over this field uh it's been running against much better it's a really good horse it's going second off the layoff it you know it didn't run that well off the bench but i think it was a prep and it didn't have lasix that day and if you look it's two bad races recently we're both um on pegasus day without lasix and last year sec the race after the pegasus when the lasix went back on it ran really well, and I expect to see that in here. I think it might want a little bit longer distance, but it's run well at this distance before. I don't like the rider much, but does get a good post, and I just think it lays over this field. Um, so to me, admission office is kind of a standout. The two horse and talker listing the four horses is a good value play, and um, the 12 Grace Creek is the horse I want to bet against. Okay. Yeah, the one thing I noticed on um, on admission office, he's a you know very solid horse. Is that if you look back every time, all his second off a second off a layoff races have been really solid. So he he historically runs well second off a layoff. So I think that's a very positive sign for that horse. Okay, well I have two completely different horses than either of you two. The first horse is the one Atone. He's two for two on turf. He's three for his last four. His only losses were on dirt and when blocked on synthetic. He's already proven he can run on the inside at Tampa Bay. And he appears to have talent. He's pretty royally bred. His dam is out of AP Indy or by AP Indy. And um, she won a stakes race in her third race. It was on dirt, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, at least she was fast. Uh, I think he has a lot of upside as a lightly raced horse, and I think he'll be higher than 15 to 1 based on the connections. So that's my top pick. But I'm absolutely also using Delaware, who I don't think will be as high as 12 to 1 with um, being by, uh, you know, trained by Chad Brown and ridden by Gallardo. But um, that does seem like the most likely winner of the race. And you can just toss that last race where they took blinkers off and. I don't know what else happened in that race. I haven't watched a replay, but it looks like it was just a toss race. And I think is probably the most likely winner of this race. 
even though I'm still going to stick with a tone because I think a tone has a chance to, uh, to really pop here. Yeah, jump in, Rich, if you have anything to add. Um, no, I, I uh, definitely agree that the, you know, the Chad Brown horses are, are dangerous. I totally agree with you, Chris, on, the, uh, on Gray's Creek. I think he's going to be over bet. Um, even though he's arguably the best closer in the race, he's, yeah, got a bad post and he's not going to offer any type of value. Um, so I'm willing to, to take a stand against him. And I think uh, I'm much more intrigued with Scott's horse, Delaware. Um, first time blinkers, he, you know, his, his race, well, not first time he's returning to blinkers. Um, but his race two back with blinkers in the Artie Schiller at Aqueduct was excellent. Um, and he's getting Gallardo. And, you know, he's not going to be 12 to one, but he might be seven, eight to one. Um, so I, I think he's you, you'd hate to you'd hate to miss the first leg of the pick five and not have Chad Brown um, with, a <laughs> you know, a nice price horse. So I'd have to say I completely respect both of your picks as well. Uh, Talker, listen and admission office and we'll probably you know try to use them. I think you got to go pretty wide, pretty deep in this race. Yeah, I would say just a, a one note on that. The outside posts at Tampa, according to the Briss that I the Briss numbers I looked at, they said that post eight and out on the turf routes wins only at four percent with an impact value of zero point three eight. So that's probably a decent sample size at this point in the meet. So clearly the outside is not a you know it's disadvantageous on the turf. So when you get and and the other thing I'd note on this the morning line in this race just seems way way off. I wouldn't pay any attention to it at all. Um, I don't think it's even close on most of the horses. The ten horse fancy liquor. If that horse goes off at three to one, it's a huge play against. I don't think it will. You know, it's on the outside post, giving way to the field. It's not that fast. I don't get why it would be the morning line favorite in here. But if it's even one of the favorites, uh, you know, clearly that's a horse you want to bet against. Um, that can help reduce the takeout if you leave the 10 horse out. And and that's definitely true about the outside posts, pr pretty much in all the turf routes at, at Tampa Bay. I mean, that's historically, um, you, you know, it's it's just a uh, it's just a fact. I mean, the, the horses have to overcome a wide trip right from the beginning and um you know, it's it, it's definitely a challenge. So, when you're looking for reasons to bet bet against a horse like that, I mean, the the outside post is another nice uh, nice thing to throw in there for sure. Fantastic. So, toss any horse that's on the eight hole and out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but definitely discount well, when they're a short price. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm a sort of on the fence with the eons and that may, you know, that may kind of tip the balance for me because, you know, he's in the eight hole. So let's move to yeah, the ninth one, race. Just one note on eons. Um, they, I think he worked with talker listen and talker listens workout seemed to apparently outwork eons. So, um, you know, I think if you're looking at those two and, and Talker listens, the bigger price of the two, that's just an, and he's inside and getting and carrying less weight. There's a lot of advantages. If you want to go with, you know, one of the De La Cora horses, that four would seem to be the one to go with rather than the eight. All right, we're going to move to the ninth race. It's the Suncoast Stakes, a mile and 40 yards on the dirt. 
purse of 150000 for three-year-old fillies. And Chris, what did you think here? Well, just to note, the seven-horse Gulf Coast I read is scratching from this race to run in another race, I think, in New York. So scratch the seven Gulf Coast, who was the morning line favorite. So that will probably um, impact people's handicapping, and, and it's probably good to know in advance. Um, so given that scratch, the favorite will be the five honorific, or honorific, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, legitimate favorite, I think. Seems like a lot of speed in here should set up for that horse. So, you know, I think the five is the one to beat. But I do think that there's a sneaky long shot in here. Um, and the pun was intended because my long shot is the eight, be sneaky. I think this horse has a lot of upside. It's only its third start. It's that same trainer, Arnaud Delacour. Um, it's making its first route here in its third start. And this is really good for young horses stretching out to a route for the first time. Delacour is very strong. The horse is well-bred and fast and it didn't win its last race but it got beat by a horse named street loot who's turned out to be a really nice horse she's reeled off like three or four straight stakes wins so there's no shame in that loss and this horse might be the best of the speed it drew outside the other speed horses so it gives the rider some options um it's lightly raced so you don't know if it's a need to lead type you know it has natural speed but it might be able to relax off the pace um, and let those inside horses go and just get a good tactical position um, and maybe finish up given the the trainer and the breeding. So be sneaky, 10 to one on the morning line, um, I think is the value play in here and the horse to beat is the five honorific. Be sneaky, third start, first route for this trainer, five for 11 with a 214 ROI. Rich, what did you think here? Well, I wasn't picking the eight, but I did. Um, I, I was definitely very intrigued by that horse um, for for all the all the reasons Chris just mentioned. So I won't uh, rehash them. But um, that horse is a very interesting long shot. And on the on the Briss PPs, he's fifty six starts. He's thirty six percent first at a route with a very strong ROI. So um, definitely a very good angle. Um, the the two horses I really liked, well, one of them is now scratched. I wasn't aware of the, uh, the situation with Gulf Coast. So, um, so that's, that's out. But the, the horse I like on top um, is Curlin's Catch, the number four. Obviously a, a, a spectacular pedigree of Curlin out of a, a very nice AP Indy uh, mare named Catch the Thrill. Um, the second dam is also a very nice horse. This horse ran twice. Uh, for, well, first of all, the horse sold for four hundred thirty thousand at the Ocala sales last year, and then they ran it twice up at Woodbine on the Poly track and ran, you know, ran okay, but um, didn't live up to its odds. And they brought it down the Gulfstream, moved it to the dirt, put Louis Saez up, and the horse just aired. And what was impressive about the the win at Gulfstream on January third was it was a it was a fast pace, especially the middle middle part of the race and this horse just dictated the pace um drew off the um second place finisher Tabor hall came back and won um at, at odds of nine to one 
And the fourth place finisher came back and won by 10 lengths in a maiden 50. Um, so, and, and that's a decent race. So, um, you know, so it's a, a, a strong, a strong maiden win in my opinion. Um, and with this pedigree, the connections, Cassie's been very live at this Tampa meet. Uh, you got a good post, you got Gallardo up. He won't be six to one, especially with the, with the scratch, but I, I like this horse on top. Um, I think honorific is the, the other obvious horse to, to use. And I, and my one sleeper in the, in the race is the, the one horse roll up Mo money, mainly because this is a speed horse. Um, you know, you got a speed horse breaking from the rail with Sammy Camacho, who's an excellent gate rider. Uh, McPeak is very good with these types of fillies and, you know, 12 to one would be, uh, you know, an incredible value. She probably won't be now because of the, the scratch, but she could, you know, who knows? She could be eight to one. Um, and I think she's a, she's a sleeper in the field. Okay. Uh, rolled up, no money. Looks interesting. I was not creative here. I just, I was going to choose honorific and Gulf coast. I'd have a hard time singling honorific, but I might do that anyway. And, um, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in roll up Mo money and I'm also interested in be sneaky. You know, I, I looked up that stat because, uh, cause I was, I was eyeballing the horse. I haven't watched replays of those races. So, so for now, I'm just going to keep it simple and just say honorific is my pick, my low price pick of the week. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I mean, I think she's definitely the most likely winner and should get a setup in here. Seems like there's plenty of early speed. There is a couple other notes I wanted to make. This is a race where, you know, we have these weird Lasix rules we've talked about a little bit, especially with the two-year-old turn three-year-old. Some of them were at tracks where as a two-year-old you had to run um, without Lasix. And some tracks, three-year-old races are, you know, um, without Lasix. And there's some horses in here, quite a few of them actually, that have been running on Lasix and now are off Lasix. And that includes um, you know, Curlin's Catch, the four that, that Rich mentioned, and the one roll-up – no, actually, roll-up Mo Money isn't one, so that uh, take that back. But the two-horse Feeling Mischief, the three Jade Empress, the Curlin's Catch, the six Scenic Outlook, the, the nine El Malicchio, Malocchio, um, all those horses are coming off LASIK. So I'm still not sure exactly what that means for all these horses, but I think it's something you want to downgrade them a little bit. That's one thing good about Honorific, the five. She hasn't run on Lasix before. Same with the eight, be sneaky, hasn't run on Lasix. Um, and the one roll up more money. So I, I think you give them a, you, you bump them up a little bit with that. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out over time. But I, I'm, I've been paying real close attention to that. And I think this is a race where you'll you'll get to see maybe if you play that angle, you might benefit from it <laughs> or not. Chris, so uh, that, can you just clarify what are the Lasix rules? I mean, like, you know, like, is it every stakes race at every track or is it just uh, the Derby points races? What's what's going on here? Well, first of all, I don't know the exact answer. I can tell you what I do know, and it is very confusing. Um, most of the tracks uh, 
had a no LASIK two-year-old rule last year. So most, not all, but most of them had that rule. I mean, California, New York, Florida, I think had that no, no two, none of the two-year-olds are running on LASIK. Now, the change was as a three-year-old, those horses now as they're three-year-olds, all the derby points prep races are no LASIK, no matter where they're being held. Is the Derby also no Lasix? I'm almost sure that's tr- true, but I won't. Sw- I'm not going to swear to any of this, but I think yes, the Derby's no Lasix, and all the Derby, by definition, I think it will be. But I mean, definitely all the Derby to get any Derby prep with points is a no Lasix race, no matter where it's held. But other tracks of other states, I don't know if it's a track level or the state level, again, it's confusing, are having no Lasix for all their stakes races. So like in, uh, at Gulfstream, and I think at Tampa too, the stakes races are all no Lasix, but the three-year-olds can run with Lasix in the non-stakes races. So like maiden races, allowance races, et cetera. But I'm not sure about that. Um, exactly sure state by state so typically in the california new york florida stakes races are all no lasix including three-year-old races in those those big states the two-year-olds are no lasix but in a state like louisiana is where it gets really confusing because as a three-year-old they can run on lasix in a maiden or allowance race but if they run in like the risen star which is a derby prep race that's going to be no LASIK. So that's why you just have to kind of look at which horses are being on and off LASIK, you know, in every one of these three-year-old stakes races going forward, I think. Um, it's very confusing. And that's one of the things I think the new legislation that got approved where they're supposed to come up with some universal um, rules around drugs, you know, what's what you can and can't do with different um, legal medications. Um, that's supposed to get standardized, I think, across all the jurisdictions in in, ide- in the ideal world. Um, so in the future, you know, this will be clearer. But right now, it's not clear at all. Okay, well, we're going to go to a race that does have Lasix allowed because it's older horses, and it's the 10th at Tampa Bay. It's a mile and the 16th on turf. It's the Lamb Home South Endeavor Stakes, purse of 175,000, fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. And Rich, why don't you get us started on this one? Well, in this race, it it looks like from a pace scenario that the three-horse uh, No Mercy Percy is going to be the uh, potential lone speed in the field. But I don't think she's um, quite good enough to to carry that speed in this type of race with this, these quality fillies and mares. Um, so I, I look for her to lead, but I think she'll get, you know, caught into the far turn. And the horse I think is the most likely one to, to track her and catch her and have first jump on the other closers is the two horse logic and reason. Um, this horse is real sharp. It's coming off a real nice win o- over the turf course uh, for uh, Christophe Clement, who's just, he's just so good at this meet um, year in and year out. And, you know, he's having another great meet, 36% wins. And I just think this horse is going to get the the right type of trip. And she, um, if she doesn't run big, I'd be very surprised. I mean, she she has every reason 
to run well. I think she has a good chance of holding off uh, the other closers. Um, the Chad Brown horse, the five counterparty risk is a really strong um, closer and a very, obviously a very talented horse. I just think she's going to, um, she may have a tough time catching um, um, the two horse. The um, sleeper for me in the race, if, if, if there is one, uh, is the, the eight horse iron of, of reality. Um, she really loves this course. The last race um, was okay, but she's cutting back from a mile and a half back to her preferred mile and three six uh, mile and a sixteenth uh, distance, and um, she's also reuniting with uh, Vila Gomez, who's who's a pretty good, capable rider, um, and and he's ridden uh, this uh, Animal Kingdom mare to victory uh, a couple of times, so. I think she's some value in the race, um, but I really I think the the uh, the two horse logic and reason uh, is going to be the one to beat. Okay, logic and reason seven to two morning line, little low, but uh, it is a Christophe Clement horse. Chris, what did you think? Well, I agree with Rich on some things and totally disagree on, on others and one is i think logic and reason is just a horrifically bad favorite i i won't get any of my money i think my biggest opinion in this race is that horse is way over bet um looks just way too slow the connections are good but that horse has got to improve immensely on any numbers i'm looking at to win so anytime a horse is you know, seven to two, that's that slow. I, I'm going to play against it. So I'm definitely against the two logic and reason, but I agree with rich on eight iron of reality. That horse should just trounce the two horse and you're eight. You know, if you, if you can trust the morning line, uh, you're going to get a much better price on iron of reality. Who is one of these horses that was Lasix off at Gulfstream because the rules at Gulfstream are you have to be off Lasix. Um, in stakes races and now uh, we're back to Lasix on at Tampa because they have different rules and she ran pretty well with the Lasix off last time and that was against a much better bunch of horses so to me Iron of Reality really solid play in here and the other one I like is the seven Kelsey's Cross who is a horse I've always liked uh, the horse has just had some horrifically bad rides and trips its last two since the layoff. Um, just had no chance at all the way it was ridden. And last was it's another horse that was without Lasix last time and gets it here. For some reason, they took the blinkers off last time and they dropped hopelessly far back and you know never gave a horse any chance at all to compete. And now they put the blinkers back on, Lasix back on. Um, a drop in class in terms of the competition it's facing. Its best races definitely could win in here. Um, I'm surprised it's six to one in the morning line. I would expect that horse might float up above that. Um, the one big negative is the rider. I don't like Robbie Alvarado at all. But, um, you know, I think this horse, the horse, I like quite a bit. And, you know, I think it'll be a good price. So to me, it's the eight iron of reality and the seven Kelsey's cross. I'm against logic and reason. Um, you know, the Chad Brown horse is probably the, the main threat. So that's my opinion in this race. 
Well, I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to choose the low-priced Chad counterparty risk. I uh, I think I singled her in her last race in California. And that was based on seeing her race at Aqueduct, where I thought she was just a superstar. And she ended up getting second in that race, and I missed out on the pick five because of that, alas. Um, so she's probably still going to be a low price, and she's going to be over bet. And she's a little bit slower than a horse like Kelsey's class. You make her sound so good, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I made it obvious why you're playing her, right? She's under, under, over bet, uh, a little slow. What else? <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, you know, like somebody's got to bet this horse, right? So that I can increase the value for you guys. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I like her. I'm not worried about the pace situation, you know, because I think that they'll probably keep her a little closer with a small field like this. It is a small field, so we don't know how the betting is going to happen. Um, I would guess the counterparty risk goes off at something like seven to five. Kelsey's cross, I would imagine would be bet. Um, I would try to use, because I've got um, some pretty uh, interesting long shots later, I would try to use uh, New York Girl, Kelsey's Cross, and Irony of Reality. Um, but for my for pod pick purposes, uh, counterparty risk, I'm just going to have uh, two low price horses this week. Yeah, just uh, that 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 horse didn't have the best of trips since last race. Counterparty risk, and it has a lot of upside. You know, it's Chad Brown. I'm so I was just giving you a hard time just because the way you were describing it didn't sound like it was going to be your pick. But the horse definitely is, you know, uh, talented and likely to run well. So I wouldn't blame you at all. I don't. I would. I wouldn't single that horse in this race because it is slower than than both seven and eight. Who I think will run well in here, but certainly wouldn't be surprised if it won the race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I'm not singling. You know, that's I might single on a Rafik, and I'm probably going to single at least on some tickets. I'm going to single a long shot in the last race. Um, but because I'm singling that long shot in the last race, I I want I want action. If irony of reality or Kelsey's cross get up, makes sense. You don't want to. You don't want that to. To, to kill your ticket, especially if you catch that long shot in the last race. Any more to add on this one, uh, Rich? Well, I was just going to say, I thought we were all moving New York girl into the winner's circle because no one had even mentioned her until you did, Scott. So, um, you know, this is a filly that it, it's pretty hard to fault. I mean, you know, I think you have to use her because – this this filly was a good a, a, a strong fourth in the 1,000 guineas in in uh, at the Cura uh, last spring, and then she comes to the states, gets Lasix, and she runs a, a solid race and wins going away um, at Gulfstream last time, and so you I mean you basically can't fault her. You just don't. You, she looks like she has upside to me, and I think even though she's not. Um, one of my top picks, I would, I would hate to get beat by her in the pick five because I don't think she's going to be over bet. I mean, I think she might not be four to one, but she's not going to be, you know, she's not going to be two to one. So, you know, I think she's a horse that, uh, you have to throw in the combinations. Yeah. I was just thinking she would get bet. I mean, she'll be, I thought she'd be, I I don't think the morning line is very accurate in this race. I think 
counterparty risk is a, a big favorite and New York girl is a clear second choice. I mean, you're right. She's a great, she was, was running in grade one races in Europe. She's Bill Mott. She, she won easily in her U.S. debut, second off a layoff. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. It's the kind of horse I think is going to get bet. You know, Alvarado's riding. I, I don't see how that's not the strong second choice in here. I could be wrong, but that, that was the only my only negative is just I think the horse is, is going to be bet. Right, but you one of the reasons you didn't like my top horse was because she's going to be bet the two, um, logic and well, reason. So they can't all be they can't all be bet. Well, I, I, mean, I didn't like logic and reason because I think she's very good. she's not very fast. And if she's going to get any money at all, I, I, I just don't like her. I think she's going to finish off the board. And even uh, even as a long shot, I wouldn't be too excited about her. She's had all kinds of chances and never run a fast race. We're like, you know, New York girl, this is her you know, second U.S. start. I could see her popping a big race off that last race where she won easily. But I just don't see any reason why you could argue logic and reason is going to make a big forward move in terms of her speed figures. And that's what it would take to win for her, where I think you could make that argument for a New York girl. That's all. So, I mean, to me, they're very different kinds of horses. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, necessarily disagree with that. I just think that you're going to, you're going to, you got to get at least three to one on New York girl. I don't see how she can be lower than that when the Chad Brown horse is going to take a ton of money. And no, I go with that. Yeah, you know, I go so, with that three to one. She'll be shorter than that, probably in the horizontals. She'll be like a, a the horse everybody uses with the Chad Brown horse in the pick yeah. five, let's say. Right. But um, yeah, you're right. You if you think three to one's value, I think you could get that. I I don't think I I wouldn't be too excited about that. But if you felt strong well, enough about her, yeah, I think this is one of the classic cases of if I'm in a I'm in a two dollar win place, you know, contest whatever the prize is, it doesn't matter. I'm probably playing iron of reality, but if I'm playing a pick five, you know, I'm not, le I'm not, I'm, I, I got to make sure I got New York girl in my sequence because I don't want to lose the pick five because I didn't play a classy foreign horse. Who's done absolutely nothing wrong and has upside for, for Bill Mott. So that, that's just my point about New York girl. That's a good point. I won't disagree with anything you just said. Well, let's move on to the 11th race. It's the Sam F. Davis Stakes. It's a grade three, mile 16th on dirt, 250,000 for three-year-olds. And Chris, what did you think? Um, this is an interesting race. I, I have one sort of solid long shot play and one sort of crazy long shot play. So I will talk about my crazy long shot play first because i think scott might be on the solid one and i'll i'll give you all that glory scott if you if we're on that same horse um my crazy long shot play, <laughs> we'll see it you might be on another horse uh one thing that i don't i would ignore the morning well i would ignore the morning line but i think the morning line's a little off on this race that's just one note um the horse i think is interesting bomber in this race is the 11 horse lucky law and the reason I like this horse is it's it's had two turf tries where it didn't really have the greatest of trips. Um, and it's making its first dirt start 
for Patrick Biancone, and last year he did this with a couple of horses, Solo Volante and Ete Indian, and both ran really well. And neither of them really had dirt breeding, but they both really ran well when he moved them from turf to dirt. And, and he did it in, you know, big stakes races. So, you know, Lucky Law could be another Ete Indian or Solo Volante. And um, for Patrick being cone, if he and it's in a race with a whole bunch of speed uh, that, you know, could potentially melt down late. Although based on what Rich said, maybe that doesn't happen very often at Tampa. But this horse should be flying late. Maybe it doesn't win, but I think it could pass a lot of tired horses at a long at long odds and at least, you know, maybe getting the try or the super or the exacta and who knows, maybe even the win. It should be a big price. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an angle play, but it's been working out pretty well. And, um, you know, I just think it might, maybe lightning could strike for a third time for being cone, you know, and last year there were a couple other horses that went turf to dirt, like King Guillermo wasn't a being cone horse, but it was another horse that was a crazy long shot. I liked uh, last year at Tampa that, that won at a big price. So, you know, maybe we'll we'll see another King Guillermo or Solo Volante or Ete Indian. So Lucky Law, the 11, kind of my crazy long shot uh, pod pick of the week. Last few weeks, they've been running uh, to their odds. Um, but we've had a few a few of these win um, in previous pods. So maybe Lucky Law will be a lucky pick. Another thing to note about Lucky Law, nothing but bullets in his workouts on dirt and turf. And that's going into, you know, going into his very first race. So, uh, and, and then I, it hasn't been every single workout since has been a bullet, but at least uh, going into his first race, they were. So it looks like he can run on dirt and turf. Rich, what did you think? Well, I'm not an expert on uh, trainers and how they work their horses, but it seems to me being cone works his horses fast. It seems like I've seen a lot of that over the years. So, um, that would be my one caveat on, on that, uh, on that angle. But, um, I don't like, uh, I, I don't like the 11 hole and Robbie Alvarado, um, uh, and the turf pedigree on, on that horse, but you know, he's going to be a huge price and, uh, the, the turf to dirt angle has definitely been a um, uh, one we've seen work, like Chris mentioned, over the you know the last year or so. So I'm not going to talk anyone off that horse. The um, let's see, where's my notes here? Okay, so when I first looked at this race, I I I kind of missed the horse who I who's now my top pick. Um, I have a long shot in this race, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, the horse I originally uh, was on and I still, you know, I still like and would use is the eight horse Nova rags. Uh, the horse comes off a nice win over the track, came home strong. It was, um, first time Lasix. And so he's won. He, he, uh, he won with Lasix. He also won without Lasix in his debut at Belmont. So he's shown that he can, he can run without Lasix. Um, I think he's a logical horse. Isn't not going to be much value with him. Uh, now, as far as Chris has been mentioning um, pretty much every race, he doesn't like the, I think it's pretty clear. Chris does not like the morning line odds maker at Tampa Bay Downs. <laughs> but uh, I think that is really the case in this race because the three horse known agenda, there's no way this horse is going off six to one. Um, I mean, that's just a, 
a horrific line. Um, you know, two races back, this horse had a really nice win at Aqueduct, uh, going a mile and an eighth, and the horse beat Greatest Honor, um, who came back and won the, the Holy Bull Stakes by five lengths. Um, and then off that race, known agenda goes into the into the Grade Two Remsen, and the the pace was really really fast in that race. And this horse was, even though he was in third, was kind of chasing that pace uh, over a sloppy track. And so I I just think even though he ran third and it's you know it, it's third integrated stakes, it doesn't look very good on paper. Um, I think that that effort is a is is a toss, and this horse is going to run. Um, much better today, and he's got a good inside post. He's got John Velasquez uh, back aboard. Pletcher's just been dynamite over the years in these types of uh, three-year-old stakes at at Tampa. I mean, his record's you know just really solid. And this horse has run without Lasix, like Chris mentioned the whole the whole Lasix angle. So I think I think I think Known Agenda is clearly the horse to beat in this race. Now my long shot that I would definitely uh, throw in there. And I think has a, a great chance of hitting the board, especially at a big price is the two horse, Joe man, Joe, the last race on the turf was actually really good. That was the day of the Tampa Bay downs uh, handicapping contest where I was, I was at Tampa and Mark Cassie had a first time turf horse that was coming up from Gulfstream park named Arzac that had a really nice pedigree. It was just, it was it was a very logical winner. It was a it was a pretty interesting race. You could go a lot of different ways in the race, but the Cassie horse made a lot of sense that it might run huge. And the horse ended up running huge. And this horse ran a very good second um to the Cassie horse in that turf race. And the race before that on the dirt, um this horse ran really well. It was a first start for trainer David Fisher, who, even though his stats aren't that great, he's a competent trainer. And um, Joe Manjo ran, you know, just a a, uh, a strong finish. And the um, second place finisher, who I think is in this race, came back and won his next race by, by eight lengths. So that flattered... Um, Joe Manjo's performance on the dirt. And I just think this horse has a, has a good chance of, you know, being a contender, but uh, I'm picking the race known agenda is my, my, uh, you know, pretty solid pick in this race. Okay. Joe Manjo reminds me of one of my favorite children's books, go dog, go. So I'm going to, I, I thank Chris for letting me have hidden stash. Who's probably the horse that you were talking about. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, yes, so you are. He's two for two going two turns. Trainer can win at Tampa. I didn't watch the last race, but I haven't had time to watch replays, but I, I like him. And the only thing is that I do think that this race is, uh, it's pretty wide open. All of these horses have run about the same. Uh, I mean, a lot of them have run about the same figure, top figure. And you just don't know who's going to move up. So I would try to use also, besides Hidden Stash, uh, in the pick five, Known Agenda, Malian, Smiley Sabatka, Runway Magic, and Nova Rags. And I, I don't have a spiel about every one of those horses, except that they all have uh, at least one pretty good number. And if they improve on that number, they can win this race. 
Yeah, the things I'd add is, you know, I'm just I'm going to be against the five smiley sabatka. Probably will be buying for favoritism with the three known agenda. I I'm just always against the Dale Roman's horses. He hasn't beat me yet this this year uh, in Florida, so. You know, I'm definitely going to be betting against him when it's a three-year-old favorite that's earned its reputation in Kentucky, and now it's running um, in Florida. So I'm going to be against the five. I think he gets some value by leaving that one out. The one horse no one's mentioned, the other one I like besides Hidden Stash and Lucky Law is the nine. And known agenda, I agree with Rich. That's the horse to beat in here. Definitely don't want to leave that one out. Um, the nine, Candyman Rocket. To me, this is the horse making, you know, first route, has some decent route breeding, Bill Mott horse. Um, and, uh, you know, Rich said this could be a speed favoring track. This might be the horse that can clear early and make them come catch him. And if he does, he could be, you know, tough to overhaul. And so to me, the nine Candyman rocket at a double digit price would be hard to leave off your ticket if you can actually get that in here. So if the speed horses, just in case speed's holding, um, to me, the nine Candyman rocket would be the, the price horse that on the front end that I'd be interested in. Just a note that because this race is part of the uh, NHC qualifier on Sport of Kings, there are 516 picks for this race already. And known agenda is the five to two favorite. Candyman Rocket is seven to two second choice, and Smiley <laughs> Sabatka is seven to one. Interesting. Although we do know that Todd Pletcher horses get bet on early in these uh, in Sport of Kings and formerly in Public Handicapper. Uh, absolutely, we know that, and he'll probably drift up, but. Uh, he, he's not going to be like a heavy favorite uh, if he is, if he is even favored at all. Um, if he is favored, maybe he goes off at three to one or something. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Five to two, three to one, known agenda. Smiley Sabatka, probably three to one, seven to two. That's kind of how I thought the, uh, the betting would go. I think we're ready to go on to the 12th race, which is a claiming race, a cheap claimer. Seven furlongs on the dirt, purse of 12500 for four-year-olds and up. And Rich, you mentioned that you have an interesting price horse in this race. So let us hear it. Well, I had a interesting price horse, um, but that was the one that has no speed whatsoever, and that's the five horse, shake them and break them. Um, horse loves Tampa. He has won at Tampa a couple of times. Um, had trouble in the last race, came home kind of sneaky good. But these these types of horses are just terrible bets at Tampa Bay Downs. Um, the horse has no speed. He's never in he's never in contention. So it's just it's a horse that if you have some angles on, yeah, you can throw him in there, uh, especially in a trifecta. But I wouldn't want to be riding the pick five on this horse because, you know, he won't be getting a call early. And so that that type of horse is a, is, is a low percentage play at, at Tampa Bay Downs. So he was interesting at first, but um, uh, I've looked elsewhere. I, I want to, first of all, start by saying my my uh, caveat emptor in this it, with this race is these are my worst types 
of races. These these conditioned cheap claimers, you know, it's an eight claim or three life. It it just seems like anything can happen in these types of races, um, especially at a track like Tampa Bay Downs. Um, you just see some some real oddball results sometimes. So my first bit of advice is if you can make it to the last race is to be as deep as possible. Um, so uh, I'm recommending everyone be deep. The my my top pick in this race, and it's a very uh, tepid play, but I do think it's a it's a a good value play is the seven horse free free flaming. Um, this horse has a good chance of being the speed, the speed of the speed going seven furlongs, and uh, Lewis Carvajal is as probably most of the listeners know is an excellent, really good, uh, sprint trainer. Um, he just really knows, you know, it, that's his specialty. And this horse is seven furlongs. He's going to be on the lead on a very, very likely to be a speed favoring track. Um, and he's six to one. He should be every bit of, of at least five to one. If you look back at his races at Tampa, uh, three and four races back, uh, he runs back to those, uh, performances, he, he'll win this race. So, um, that's my, my, uh, you know, tepid choice. I also like the 11, the 10, the eight, the three. I mean, you, I think you, you know, you want to be as deep as, as possible going into this last leg. So that's how I saw the finale. Free flamey. The trainer is got a 372 ROI turf to dirt and a 340 ROI route to sprint. Chris, where did you land? Well, I agree with everything Rich said. These bottom level condition claimers are anything can happen. You really can't play anything with confidence. Uh, from a win standpoint, probably the one horse I might be interested in is the the two horse budget buster. It's a horse that just runs a bunch of terrible races. It was eased in its last race. It's been eased in a couple races recently. The last time it was eased, it came back and won, ran a really good race. Um, so there's no reason why it couldn't come back and run a, a good race off being eased before. And its best races um, aren't that long ago and um, are good enough to win. So in a race where anything can happen, if you do get 15 to 1 on this horse, it's I think it's got as good a chance to win as any of them. So if you were gonna, looking for a win bet, uh, the two-horse budget buster would be one, but um, you know, I certainly wouldn't single that horse or anything. I, if I play the pick five, I'll spread in this race. I know probably other people would be doing the same, but I just can't, I can't find anything in here that I, I could rely on. Um, so I'll be spreading if I play the pick five. Uh, the win play, if you're looking for one, would be the two budget buster for me. Okay, well, Rich, I'm glad you didn't take shake them and break them. Well, I mean, it would have been nice if we had a double-barreled pick, but that's my pick. And, you know, the last week, no, no horses have come from back uh, at seven furlongs at Tampa. But, but meat long, 38% have come, are either P or S types, presser or... Uh, sustained move types. So, so I think he's got a shot and this is a race that is projected by the time form pace trajectory to be a fast pace. So here's my case for shake him and break him. He ran fast as a two-year-old. Uh, 
and he ran about that fast four races ago in his first start for this new trainer. Uh, he's had wide trips and slop trips since then, and they've hidden his form. His last race, which was a, a class level above this, he bobbled at the start and he fell way back. Now I'm not, it was hard to see like exactly what happened when with the bobble on the replay, but something happened and he fell way back farther back than he usually is. Well, he was gaining, even though the jock was not riding him hard. I, I think after that, um, that awkward start, he decided, Hey, we're not going to win with this horse today. And, um, and I think it is today is the day because, you know, not only was he gaining, but the jock was like, he wasn't like riding him, like, you know, uh, using a lot of forward and backward motion with his hands. He was just, you know, kind of hitting him with a little bit with the whip. And the horse was just closing. And then um, he galloped out past the winner on his own. Like the jock was just standing there and the horse just kept on going. So now he drops back to his proper claiming level. Um, he is closer, but it is a projected fast pace here. So I will single this horse in a pick five with all the horses I mentioned before. And I, I, I still might play around with some other types of pick fives that uh, would include Mr. Edgar, who looked like he hit the gate in his last, and First Degree, who starts uh, on the far outside, but um, at this distance, seven furlongs, posts eight on out, connected 18%. So those would be the horses that I'm interested in. And I am a little bit interested in Budget Buster, Chris. Um, it would be great if I could manage to work him in. I don't know if I'll be able to. Same with Free Flamey. So. I, I really thought you were going to pick the 10 horse first degree. That's who I thought you were. When you said you had a horse in the last race, I thought that would be the one you would go for. That looked like the kind that you would like that just sort of might be forging forward off um, a pretty solid line and it was fast as a two-year-old. Um, you know, that was the one I thought you would land on, but you, you did mention him, but I thought that would be your pick. So. Yeah. And you know, there's so. a lot of time between now and the race. So <laughs> we'll oh, that, see. To me, th that there's one other thing like I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention. There's, there's a chance of rain here. Um, on Saturday, starting at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's. It doesn't sound like it's going to be that much rain, but it's possible it could start raining um, in the middle of the card or right around the beginning of the pick five, which really stinks. Um, and it's there, there's rain in the forecast all the way through the rest of the evening into early evening, right before the Super Bowl. So, um, but that is a factor to. Uh, for the listeners to, you know, pay attention to and maybe uh, potentially adjust their their late pick four, pick five tickets on this card. Yeah, so I, back I, look, I looked it up and the weather, it seemed it was like a 38% chance of rain, at least on weather.com. So yeah, I'm not overly worried about it. Um, right. It is in the 30 to 40% range. Um but there is a front. There's definitely a front because they've been talking about it with all the Super Bowl coverage here. Um, there's a front coming through, you know, Saturday into Sunday. So it's just a question of you just never know with Florida weather. So it's not as it, it's not as dicey as it is down at Gulfstream, but it, you still can. It's still something to to, you know, to be on the lookout for. It's another thing to worry about. Well, yeah, <laughs> as if we need that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, to me, that would definitely move Budget Buster up some if it's sloppy. His better races, uh, some of his better races have been on sloppy track. But back on first degree, Scott, I just, to me, when I saw this horse, I go, wow, this looks like a Scott horse. This is the kind Scott would play. And I kind of like it too. I, but I, to me in particular, um, you know, I'm not usually as big on these horses that have, are the fourth or fifth race into their form cycle and they make a little bit of a move. Um, where you tend to really like those. Um, and so I thought this one was about as good an example of that as any horse I'd seen, especially in a race like this. So to me, uh, anyway, the, the first degree, I think is the one you definitely would want to include uh, on the pick five for sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly the more I look at first degree, the more I like, and you know, this is his second time with blinkers. So that could move him up. Um, he's always been pretty fast. Um, he can close into a hot pace. He gets an outside post, you know, so he can kind of settle in behind the front runners. Yeah, he has two wins at Tampa, and he does not have a win at the distance, but the only time he tried that distance was a sloppy track where he's 0 for 2, and he does have a win at 6.5 furlongs. So, so um, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel pretty good about this horse. I, I I, I, I'll probably have a ticket, you know, I'll, I'll have some kind of ticket with him on it. I just don't know if I'll be alive coming into this race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what we're all hoping for. If we yeah, play. I'm not, yeah. I'm not big on the outside posts as, as Scott mentioned. Um, but the 10 is, I, the 10 is absolutely a must use because the, the horse loves Tampa. Um, second time blinkers. He made a big middle move in that last race and now he's getting seven furlongs, which, to me, first degree looks like the type of horse that should love seven furlongs. So I think the, the 10 is, is, you know, it's really dangerous. And I, th I think you'll get seven to two, you know, seven to two, four to one, just because this is such a wide open, you know, field. So, yeah, I think you look at that Bernardini out of a seeking the gold mare. You're like, wow, this horse. And actually, the horse costs 300,000. That's the funny thing is the my my one sleeper pick and i hate the post is the 11 horse um this indian buzz is making third start off a layoff and i like the cutback from the routes and the fact that this horse had good tactical speed um at monmouth park he won with garcia up at 11 to one um three starts back and to me that that horse was a uh a very interesting play in the in the finale well, we've mentioned just about all of them, and, and yes. that's the kind of race it is. I mean, in, exactly. Yeah. You, you I mean, in this kind of race, especially at Tampa, anything can happen. So I wouldn't get too stuck on any particular horse. And if you can, this is where the race I think you want to spread. Unfortunately, everyone will be, but you know, if if, if you want to hit the pick five, it, unless you find something that I don't see in this race, um, you probably need to at least have a few horses live um, well 11, yeah, yeah the, the, i'm going 7 11 10 in the in the finale so but it's definitely that type of race and you know that i looked at the two closely chris i i had the same pretty much the same uh angles as you did on that on that two horse it just i just have terrible luck with these types of horses that have just such spotty form you know he's been pulled up in two of his last four starts but he has that really good race three starts back 
you know, and now he's getting an equipment change and, you know, it's turf to dirt and dropping in class. And, you know, so there's there and he's he's worked out a couple of times coming into this race. And so there's, you know, and he's he's going to be a huge price, most likely. So but I just I, I just know I, I personally have I do not have a good record with these types of picks. So that's why I I ended up steering clear of your your long shot. So I make that of, of it what you can. All right. Do you guys have any other plays on the card? I know I do not. No, I do not. That's those are the only horses, only races I looked at on the card. I do not other than play early speed at Tampa. Well, then on that note, I would like to thank our guest, Rich Nilsson. Rich, thanks for dissecting this card with us. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to uh, to you all and, and the listeners. All right. Well, that will conclude show number 106 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Tampa late pick five. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Add that pony. <laughs>